A time has come for you to think about toys. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. It's like toys in the hood. Is that confirmed or is that just scuttlebutt? Beat the hell out of me. You're silly. That's what I do for a living. <laughs> they get paid for this? Yeah. Looney bird. I gotta go. You people have been fabulous. Toys. Coming this Christmas, because Chinese New Year was booked. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, December 18th at theaters everywhere. Welcome, little toy boys and toy girls out there, to Cinemarcade. This is the podcast about movies, video games, and the sparks that fly when those two worlds collide. My name is Steve Guntley, and I've got a big wind-up thingy in my back. Hi, I'm Justin, and I am a discount Walmart Barbie set. <laughs> uh, I'm Jay Ban, and I'm a demolitions expert, which was definitely needed on this movie. <laughs> probably, probably. The movie we are talking about today is, the of Barbie course... The movie, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we're talking about Toys. This movie was released on December 18th, 1992. It was directed by Barry Levinson and written by Levinson and Valerie Curtin. And it stars Robin Williams, Michael Gambon, Joan Cusack, Robin Wright, LL Cool J, Donald O'Connor, and a very, very young Jamie Foxx in his film debut. Uh, holy shit, Toys. <laughs> I don't know where what? to start with um, toys. Um, <laughs> you know what? I feel like this is going to be a very negative, heavy episode. So I think before I even go into anything, I want to ask you guys, what was your favorite toy growing up? What, did you have like a signature toy that you kept with you all the time? Um, so long story short, mm -hmm. uh, I used to have a doll that lit up with a little heart. Uh, and so you'd push it and it had a heart. And I loved this doll until I watched, I was like, I snuck up and um, while my parents were watching Puppet Master oh. and I watched it behind them the same way I watched it. And I, of course, I couldn't tell them that I had done this. And after that, I abjured all stuffed animals and all dolls. <laughs> okay. All right. I feel like this is a good time to plug my other podcast, Puppet Masters and Castle Freaks, where we are watching every Puppet Master movie as well as every other Full Moon movie. Lots of tiny little killer dolls in this podcast. So definitely they're fucking terrifying. You leave them with children. They're creepy and they've got little knife hands and knife eyes for some reason. And they try to steal your soul. They do. Every single one of them. <laughs> what did you like move on to another toy after that or was it just like oh okay i'm done i, with this. I had books man i had oh, books oh okay yeah um, yeah yeah i don't know i really i did as a small small child love play-doh uh, as well okay um yeah but uh <laughs> yeah the light bright dolls were pretty ace that, those are pretty great how about you justin did you have one uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that I had like a signature toy. I had, uh, I think I had a stuffed animal named or a stuffed uh, teddy bear. Mm. It's a red teddy bear. I named him Mr. Red. Oh, uh, my first fish was also a blue fish, and I called him Bluey. 
Okay. Called them bluey. I'm not gonna lie. I don't, I don't know what gender that fish ever was. Yeah, I don't know how to um, sex a, a fish. Like, how do you tell? I know it's a whole start process by flirting. Oh, okay. And, uh, but yeah, wait uh, till the third date. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, Mr. Red kicked it for a while. I actually have Mr. Red now. My mom amazing kept good care of him and gave him to me recently uh, when I came home for Christmas. So, um, but. Uh, your dog is trying to eat a sandal. Oh, let me go interrupt the dog from <laughs> eating a sandal real quick. And, and I can't not watch this. Uh, it's an adorable puppy. Her name's Rivet. Rivet, not like Ribbit the frog. Yes, thing. or River, like my autocorrect is always trying to fix. No, I've got Rivet the puppy. She is a <laughs> delightful little girl, but she does like to chew on shoes so from time to time. Uh, I think for me, I had a, I, I was similarly creative in my naming conventions. I had a pet, uh, or like a stuffed bunny, uh, and its name was bunny and, nice. uh, nice. carried it with me everywhere. Uh, including, uh, again, with a long story short, I ran away from home when I was like eight years old. I don't remember why I was just having some kind of fight with How my mom. How far did you get? Like two miles. Oh, oh wow. God. That's pretty got, impressive. Wildly more successful than anything I ever tried. <laughs> I got pretty far. And the only thing I brought with me was Bunny. So, like, I, I keep thinking about that sometimes. Like, you know, some people were probably driving down the Alameda in California and seeing, like, a weird, like, eight-year-old boy walking down the highway with a stuffed rabbit in his hand. Like, yeah, it must have freaked people out. Who found you? Uh, I... I was trying to walk towards the general area where I knew a friend of mine lived and I don't think I was anywhere close. So I just stopped at a random house and asked if they knew my friend. I didn't even have his last name. I'm just like, do you know what's his name? And uh, the teenage girl who was there was like, oh, my God, are you lost? And she she uh, called my parents and figured it out from there. But... She, she had the number and was like parents done yep yep yeah no they 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 looked it up i guess i don't know but yeah they was they back, were nice back when they we did... had phone books <laughs> oh boy the old yellow pages yeah well hopefully you weren't in the yellow pages you were in the white pages right oh that's right yeah that's right white pages were yellow the pages residential were businesses. yeah white yeah pages were... yeah it's like my, my brain well, just a i did briefly ramble have a... down memory lane today yeah yeah right, yeah, right. yeah i did have briefly have a a, a a running away business that i was advertising in the mm. yellow pages uh <laughs> I co-ran it with Bunny, but uh, no, it didn't go very far. I uh, got two miles. Got two miles. Got two that's miles. Pretty far honestly. on little eight-year-old legs. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, that's were solid. your parents angry or relieved? Oh, they were pissed. They were <laughs> righteously pissed. I can't even for the life of me remember what the argument was about. I'm sure it was something stupid, like they told me I couldn't watch Nickelodeon or something. Like, yeah, I, I'm sure it was really dumb. Um, but you know. I think segue. I think this segues pretty smoothly because I was a young child who was scared and alone and afraid, and that's a feeling that the movie Toys brought out in me. <laughs> that I'm scared and alone and afraid, and that there's no God and there's no love in the universe and everything's bad. Uh, uh, I had a real bad reaction to this movie, guys. Wow. I had a rough time with this one. This movie is the first movie that we've watched so far that I actively like paused, did some chores. Yeah. And came back, watched 15 minutes, went to do some chores, because chores were preferable <laughs> to this movie. Now, oh. now you're starting to make but, me think differently, because I also did chores, and okay. now I thought, in my head, I was like, oh my god, I'm, go I'm being good. I'm pausing the movie to go do chores, and now you're making me like downgrade my accomplishments well, yesterday it's funny because i'm the only one of us that watched this as a child yeah i had such 
fond memories. <laughs> sure. Such fond memories. I could, like, I remembered LL Cool J and Robin Williams and all the toys. And I just remember it being a magical movie. Yeah. And then to watch it now, and it's so not magical. It is. <laughs> um, so weirdly hollow and soulless and annoying and creepy. Like there's so much going wrong here to the point where I can't quite imagine what it was they were going for. Well, and the soundtrack is very early 90s. It's, it's early 90s and it also has yeah. Irish folk songs in it. Literally Enya is in the movie. That's her singing in the beginning of the movie. Is that, that her? That. Oh, That's okay. Enya. I, she looks so familiar. Tori like, Amos is on this soundtrack. Like yeah. there's there's a, there's some quality people on the soundtrack, but they've calibrated their songs to be the most soporific and annoying things that you could ever hear. Like this movie seems calculated by a government lab to be the most annoying thing that possibly can exist. Oh, uh, that reminds me of the soundtrack, the who. Ha. Yeah, uh, military like um, score that they had in yeah. it. But I kept only, wanting to do bunny bunny. After the midpoint, did they start really digging in, and they dug in hard. Yeah, what I a mean, movie. utterly bizarre. Let's. I and I'm I'm fascinated to talk about this because. This is a movie I've been aware of, like my whole life. You know, not my whole life. With since it came out, I've been aware of it. But I've never actually seen a frame of it. Like, I didn't know what this movie looked like or what it was really about. All I heard was that it was just kind of bad. Uh, and I remember seeing the trailer when I was a kid. And the trailer is kind of legendarily weird. Because they show zero footage from the movie in this trailer. It's oh. simply Robin Williams standing in a field improving. He's just riffing about the movie. They don't show a single frame of, of what we're actually going to see. You're going to have to show us this. Now. Yeah, yeah. I'll show you this trailer. It's really bizarre. Like, they parodied it on The Simpsons. Like, it's it's that memorably bizarre. But, like, so I'd, I'd seen that. That still did not give me any idea of what this movie was actually about and what it was like. And it's also a movie that's been completely memory hold like i feel like nobody involved in this movie wants to talk about it nobody's really developed a cult following about it now i feel like we live in a culture right now that overly values christmas movies i feel like we pounce on anything that's even remotely a christmas movie so that we can like create a new tradition that's why there's been this whole annoying fight over die hard for all this time like if it's a christmas movie if it's I not mean, it's a very it's clear answer very clearly it's a christmas, a christmas movie. movie it's a christmas movie absolutely if absolutely. you don't think it's a christmas movie, they're all christmas movies all of them yeah except well except uh, with a vengeance with yeah Ven uh, i love that movie. i love with a vengeance that was my first was that die hard. the okay yeah, that's yeah. the third one yeah with uh, samuel jackson yeah, that movie slaps. But yeah, no, I think this is a culture that is really, really thirsty for Christmas movie? movies. This mm -hmm. is explicitly a Christmas movie released around Christmas time in 1992, and nobody wants this thing. Like, nobody, you do not see this, like, repeated on TNT around Christmas time. Well, I don't think it's... I don't think it's PG-13 rating is fair, honestly. I don't think it deserves a PG-13 rating. I mean, they, they say shit at one point, and she does take her top off while facing the other direction. And we have to and hear there's Robin very Williams' implied sex, sex moans. Yeah, which is, <laughs> I think that's an R rating right there, to have to hear that, man. Oh, oh, geez, wonderful. Oh, yes. Oh, oh yeah, do it, do it like that. Yes. Oh, oh, dear. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's criminal right I don't there. know. Like, considering, like, the other... Considering the other movies we've watched that had not gotten PG-13 ratings. Okay, but some right, of those existed yeah. before PG-13 ratings. It's yeah. true. It's true. And this is the around the time where they're really starting to hammer in, like, okay, a PG-13 rating 
means some adult situations and you get one non-sexual there... fuck. You get one F-bomb that you can drop in there as long as it's not sexual. Uh, so you guys think it deserved its PG-13? I um, don't think it deserved its I, PG-13. I think that it I... It didn't surprise me that it was PG-13 Like af- after watching it. Because I was like, oh, okay, I get it. But like that absolutely is an area of like... It's so borderline that if they didn't want it to be a PG-13 movie, they could have edited five seconds of the movie and made it PG. That's like, I, I I think the PG-13 is warranted, but I don't think it's what this movie needs. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely not what the movie needed and absolutely should have been something. When you're introduced to Robin Williams' character, you don't think. That, that dude fucks. Yeah. <laughs> you really that is a guy do not think who that. Who is not a virgin. Yes, for sure. I believe that. Uh, <laughs> all right. I've, I've got a little bit of history okay, on sorry. this movie because this this is a, uh, a weirdly – this is just a very weird movie because open face compliment sandwich here. I have to say this movie looks incredible. Like mm-hmm. it really does have very eye-popping production design and costumes and this actually – this got nominated for two Oscars because of the production design and the costuming. And, and it, it lost them, right? in both cases oh. to Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dracula. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Which nothing was touching uh, in Aiko Ishioka that year. Yeah. Um, that, that year, like any other year, I think this one would have won. But yeah. I mean, nope. all right. So let's talk about this director here because uh, I think younger people won't know who Barry Levinson is, but he was a big name throughout the 80s because he had just this string of huge hits beginning with Diner in 1982. Then he made movies like The Natural, Good Morning Vietnam, Young Sherlock Holmes. Uh, And I would say his run peaked in 1988 with uh, Rain Man. Rain Man was the highest grossing film of 1988 and it won Best Picture and it won him Best Director. It didn't peak in 1992? It did not. Shockingly, I don't don't know that Toys is the peak of his career. Feel a vibe over there. I mean, and then after that, he had two more movies he had avalon which was a very well received well received like kind of smaller movie and uh, bugsy which was kind of the front runner for best picture until uh silence of the lambs ate its lunch and ate, <laughs> yeah so you know you can't compete with silence of the a lambs. better pick but kind of a surprise <laughs> pick back in the day but either way this is his follow-up to bugsy which was a big hit a big oscar favorite and so he kind of is in blank check territory he's kind of in a point where like all right you you've had a bunch of successes you can make whatever the fuck movie you want and guess what he did? Uh, he teamed up with his ex-wife, Valerie Curtin. They wrote this screenplay together. And uh, this was, you know, the studio was all in on this one. Uh, he was given $50 million, which was a large budget for 1992. And they basically shut down the entire Fox uh, soundstage. Like, every soundstage was used for this movie. The entire lot was just toys, uh, which is kind of, like, unprecedented. They don't really do that. Um, so our production designer here is a guy named Ferdinando Scarfiotti, and he bases designs heavily on the works of like Rene Magritte, who is a surrealist artist. You might, if you don't know art, he's the, it's the bowler hat with the apple in front of his face. That's a Magritte. That's heavily, heavily referenced in the movie. Lots of, lots of bowler Especially hats in, in this the, movie. Uh, well, it's also heavily referenced in the M- fake MTV music video. Um, <laughs> weirdest moment in the weirdest fucking movie. Yeah. I thought that was like a weirdly charming moment in this otherwise it, hard movie. Great. I really crazy. liked it. But yeah, I think this this movie had yeah, I think you you hit on it when you were talking about the PG-13. The PG-13 kind of doomed this movie because for all intents and purposes this is a kids film. 
This is a movie that takes place in a toy factory with a bunch of Willy Wonka style characters who are like weird, lovable, eccentric man children. But they made it weirdly sexual and they added a bunch of like foul language to it. And so they got a PG-13, which means that most parents weren't taking their young kids to this. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it wound up kind of flopping at the box office. It made $20 million back on its $50 million budget. And then everybody just seems to kind of not want to talk about it. There is one interesting legacy that this movie has, and it has to do with another film that Robin Williams made in 1992. So uh, he was approached in the late 91, early 92, to voice a character in the Disney animated film Aladdin. Uh, and he was reluctant to do so because he also had this movie opening up like within weeks of that movie slated time. So he said he would do it if they left his name out of the credits if they kept his characters screen timed only like 25% of the movie and they didn't use him in any marketing. And of course, Robin Williams turns in maybe one of the best performances of his career in Aladdin. And so Disney goes really hard on the Robin Williams in all of their advertising. They basically just break every promise that they made to him. And he was really pissed off because uh, he felt like, you know, Aladdin kind of uh, cut in on toys in a really big way. So he refused to do any Disney movies for a couple of years after that. You know, so people might remember there's a direct-to-video Aladdin sequel where he doesn't reprise his voice. Uh, and the only way that Disney was able to get back in his good grace is they literally bought him a Picasso. They bought a $10 million <laughs> Picasso original and sent it to his house. He's a big art collector, so... That's how they got him to come back for one more Aladdin movie and then movies like Flubber and things like that later on. But they literally had to buy a Picasso to earn back Robin Williams' trust, and it was all over toys. That's the biggest legacy that this movie has left. And I, and we, we just discussed this briefly before starting this, but I had looked up the IMDb, uh, and I looked up a few things, and I'll probably mention one of them later. But one of them that I had looked at was the director to see what else they directed. Yeah. And I opened the IMDb page, and the video that plays, like, at the top of this guy's article is from B-Movie. So I'm like, oh, this guy directed <laughs> B-Movie. That's crazy. Uh, it turns out, no. This man seems to have had nothing to do with B-Movie. Somebody just attached a clip of B-Movie to his IMDb profile. So it's, it's just there. It's really it's, bizarre. Uh, it's it. my favorite thing I've ever seen on IMDb. I think it's literally just that his name is Barry. He shares the name of the protagonist of B-Movie, right? Now I'm hoping that somebody went through, right? They went down the list of all the Barrys in IMDb, and they just... <laughs> Hit that lit, that clip onto every single one of them, man. We'll we'll, I, we'll talk I about love it. We'll, I'm down for it. We'll talk about B movie eventually, but that is an insane how that <laughs> movie has been memefied and like used for weird. I've seen so you many like different jazz. versions of that so, movie. If you haven't seen Toys, yes, <laughs> yeah. Bad, thank you for getting us back on track. <laughs> Sorry. If you haven't seen Toys, it's basically an anti-war movie uh pro toys anti-war <laughs> and oddly uh, uh future predicting uh yeah, yeah. Like, especially about drones like yeah. all of it, it felt a little drones creepy. kids because nowadays like fun fact they started to use or at least to test using an xbox 360 controller to control drones mm -hmm. because all of the incoming soldiers played call of duty when they were young they sure. knew how to use an xbox controller so instead of teaching them how to use some expensive sophisticated control system for a drone they're like let's just drop an xbox controller they, 60 bucks 
They missed Done. an opportunity. They could have used the toy Super NES game as a training method for that, <laughs> so they could learn how to throw water balloons and shoot Maybe peanuts. Maybe they did, honestly. Yeah. They, that might have been the start, and then they moved up. But yeah, no, it's an oddly wild thing to watch in the modern era where you're like, nah, yeah, they do this. Yeah, so in yeah continue. In the beginning, a uh, an old toy magnet played by Donald O'Connor of all people. Singing case, in the Rain's Donald O'Connor. Singing in the Rain, um, the, all the Francis movies that yeah. he was in. Uh, like classic musical genius. One, one of the great physical comedians of all yeah, time. Yeah, one of the greatest physical comedians of all time. Plays this man who's dying, who's, whose whole goal is to give his brother control. Like when I first watched it, it was like, is, this is just like Weird succession. (laughs) (laughs) I wish succession had more elephants, honestly. (laughs) Because he's like, oh, I'm going to give this company to my brother so that my son steps up. Um, uh, And and it's just like, it's like, we're like, wait a second, dude, you're dying. Does this make sense? Uh, no this is a bad idea um also it's using your brother in a really mean way it's yeah. like oh by the way you can have my company oh i'm just using you to fuck with my son yeah and it was just like and the son was sort of it's like if you put robin williams underneath a glass filled with water he like he's very subdued right he's very subdued um like he, we should put context robin williams is kind of at the height of his powers right now you know because aladdin is really huge he's coming off of dead poet society good morning vietnam awakenings he's about I, to go into mrs doubtfire like he's at his peak of I his i could powers. not believe that the team that brought me Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. And again, maybe it's rose tinted glasses because I watched it when I was a child. Uh, but I loved Good Morning Vietnam. No, that's a good movie. Yeah. That is a good movie. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a bizarre misfire. But but yeah, we need to talk about Rob Millions in this he, movie he because kind of, while watching it, and I, he gave me a lot of like because uh, Willy Wonka came out. Well before this. 71. And so it honestly, it felt like that was his inspiration for the character because Very much. there was a lot of like really subdued but weird like phrasing on stuff where he seemed yeah. kind of in that like Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka realm of like character. Um, yeah, he's like an eccentric man child, except he has less agency than Willy Wonka. I think mm-hmm. Willy Wonka like, more can run a company. I think yeah. Robin Williams successfully plays this character as a man I would not trust with a company. <laughs> Which I mean, honestly starts to then make this make sense of why he gave the why his father gave the company not to him. Yeah. <laughs> and to his brother instead. And at first I was like, what about the sister? Oh, okay. This all makes sense. Oh, she probably can't legally have a company. I, I will have some thoughts on this in a second. But, <laughs> you, I mean, we were kind of summarizing the plot, but this is like a two-hour-plus movie, and it couldn't be summed up very quickly because it's just he hands over the company to his very militaristic brother who wants to make war toys, and that's it. That's kind of and, the whole plot, right? And he makes war toys. He yeah. makes war toys, uh, and he goes crazy with power, making war toys, uh, and having children. Uh, a pilot said war toys uh, because they think that they're um, saving money. All this time, he has what I think is the shining spot of this movie. Okay, and that is LL Cool J. <laughs> 
Okay. All right. I, this, I, is a, this is a take. This is a take. <laughs> I have nothing against. I think LL Cool J is one of the least I, defensive elements of this movie. I think that my favorite parts of this movie were pro- pretty much just LL Cool J doing weird stuff. I thought Michael Gambon was pretty locked in as the general. That's I thought true. he was pretty locked in. But, but okay, yeah, no defend. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Yellow Cool J because he is the son of Michael Gambon's character. Yes, um, and he's just like very he, he he's like a camouflage expert, right? He's a captain in the military. Yes, of he's course. like uh, in like a spy, like an espionage espionage officer. And he likes military food. He doesn't like his food to touch. He, he like does his not like his food to touch. Yeah, just like in the military. <laughs> yeah, because strategically, no people known for not mixing foods. Yeah. I, absolutely um, absolutely but i just like i thought ll cool j was very charming and every everything that he did uh like he, uh, he was just so charming and like i loved his outfits his little outfits um and i just thought that he played a much more uh understandable character than robin williams character yeah. he was way more likable i yeah. think so putting uh so we're all comedians here uh but like yuck, so yuck, we yuck. use the phrase straight man as not as like as a orientation thing but as straight man uh wacky man uh but like putting robin williams as a wacky character in a wacky world i think that was a a mistake like and having somebody as charming as ll cool j i just think he would have been a better protagonist um i almost yeah i think because he's he's playing it very earnestly yeah Yeah. there's he had a lot of gags in the movie uh of like at one point they're in an office complaining about dinner being late because they're waiting for his character and then he just says yeah that sounds good to me yeah and then steps out of the couch because he's been disguised as the couch this whole time yeah another point he's just wearing red in a room of red and he matches the background so he just kind of steps out and is like hey and then there's another scene later on where he's like in the bathroom on the radio and they just show the front of the stalls with his feet and then it turns out that's not the stall he's in he set up decoy feet so you could use a different stall. I do and the I was same like, thing. I thought all of those little moments were just kind of like. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, and that's, also, that's he was wearing red when he switched sides, but he changed into a white outfit, which there was no time to change. Yeah. But he was in a white outfit for like being the white knight and hero of, yeah. of the ultimate uh, side of the movie. All right. So um, I we have to talk. I mean, this breaks my heart, but we have to talk about Joan Cusack in this movie. Joan Cusack is one of my favorite living actors. Yeah. I think she is incredible. Uh, we'll talk about her eventually when we cover our Adams Family games, but uh, she gives a performance in Adams Family Values that I think is one of the great comedic performances of the last 30 years. She's unbelievable. Man, she is creepy in this movie. Yeah. Okay, they, yeah. they 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 portray her as like a simpleton. You know, she's never like mentally handicapped, but she is like very very childlike to the fact that she dresses like a baby doll. A lot of times she likes to wear like clip out, like a, a cutout clothes and stuff However, like that. They, they do explain that as she designs the clothes too. Right. And uh, it is a very weird character. It's a very weird character. And I think I need to jump ahead to the end on this one. Yes. And just if you're still intent on watching toys, this is a very abrupt twist that is not really properly addressed. But yeah, it turns out she's a robot. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Wild. <laughs> So she she's you know Robin Williams she's Robin Williams' sister and like apparently she was built by their father to like be her uh, companion for him you know so 
this is revealed in the last like five minutes of the movie and then she's just like it, it doesn't have any actual impact on anything but it's just a wild turn for this movie to take she creeped me out. Robin Williams, again, a, a performer I deeply love, I deeply miss, uh, but he's creepy in this movie. I think it's really interesting that they have the beautiful Robin Wright in this oh My movie. God, 92 Robin Wright. Yeah. I mean, barely off of uh, Princess Bride, where she might be one of the most beautiful human beings to be on a, in a film. Like... Man, she is wasted in this movie. I felt and bad for her. She's so charming. She she's is. so, so, so charming. But you you don't believe for a second she would take this man seriously. All right. No. Yeah, we're supposed to believe that they have romantic and sexual chemistry together. And I never for a second interpreted Robin Williams's character. Leslie Zevo is his name. I did not interpret Leslie Zevo as a sexual being. I just didn't like, and that's not a judgment. It's just, he is, he is a large child. The first time that it's cause they, they explain to a degree that like she was intentionally brought on to try to change Leslie into a more like mature person capable of running the business was the goal was to like get him to wake up. It's kind of the plot of that, which is creepy. It's kind of the plot of that new Jennifer Lawrence movie where she's like hired to take a kid's virginity. Yeah. It's kind of that. This is not a movie I'm aware of. This is news to me. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm dating the the podcast. And then like they, he like, he comes on kind of hard and weird. Yeah. He's in the car driving while she's like, trying to like cycle and as he's all like i don't he's like what are you doing he's like oh i'm trying to get laid and i'm like mm. <laughs> man oh, this is the guy bad with a line. lot of unearned confidence and i it also made me really wonder about what his background is okay because he's probably in his early 40s at this point you know he does not seem like a guy who spent a lot of time in the outside world like Especially since that factory is surrounded by, like, miles of grass that all looks Which the same. Which made me... I was yeah. like, I was wondering if the Windows logo came before yeah, uh, right? this movie. <laughs> that, I think it might be the same field. That's the Palouse uh, area of... It's it's eastern Idaho and western Washington state. And it's a very... It's a famously very beautiful area. But, like, it's a weird place to put this ostentatious toy factory all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to praising the production design here because I think that's the thing that really, really stands out in this movie. Like, it, it's it's very dynamic. It's very creative. It's It's got a lot of surrealism to it. And um, there's, a, there's a pretty cool scene where, like, they're in, a, they're in a room and the walls are all, like, checkerboard patterns and they start, like, kind of tessellating out and, like, the room literally shrinks while everybody's in there. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty amazing technical feat. And I would have been very impressed if the whole scene wasn't dominated by characters very unfunnily riffing on fake vomit. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the set design in the show is so beautiful. It like, really and, is. Uh, like the Joan Cusack's character uh, sleeps in like this swan bed. Weird. Uh, yeah. Which is so weird, but very surreal because like, she's like in a, in a swan bed in a, a room that doesn't have walls in, in in a bigger room and like there's so many it's so interesting it opens up the show uh, on the, the showing of a factory floor of people dancing and singing and living their lives as though this is the best job in the fucking universe right um and not for long uh and they definitely show like and so I, I do think that there's some really interesting words about like capitalism and like 
Um, well, okay. Here, here's here's where I'm coming down on this. Like, I don't know what this movie actually believes or is trying to say. Because it, it pulls its punches at so many different areas. Right. That it like it never you it looks like they're teeing up for something and then the payoff is never big. Yeah, and so yeah. It it's not really an anti-capitalist movie because the the movie clearly wants these characters to, to succeed at their mm-hmm. capitalist venture. So like maybe the obvious message you could take from it is like anti-war. But how does the movie end? What is the last 45 minutes of this movie? It's literally a war. Yeah. <laughs> like, the they... subtitle of the video game based on this movie is Let the Wars Begin. All right? So In, this is not anti-war. Scene, there's literally a scene where they uncover that the general is going against the Pentagon or Washington's... Uh, like, they they shut down the idea of this toy stuff. Yeah. And the general's like, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And it's, they it's, figure it's very... it out. And they literally go, we should tell the police. And then Leslie goes, no, we have to deal with this on our own. And I'm like, what? Like, I think, uh, you know, the macro story here is just that, like, he needs to learn to be a man. He needs to learn to stand up for something he believes in because he's too fickle. He's too flaky. Like, he's not prepared to be this uh, leader character. And so him going to war with all these toys is meant to represent his transformation into manhood but it's also undercutting its own well i feel like they give him less screen time than the general yeah screen time than a lot of other characters there's a lot of characters in this and i feel like the general is a very clear like riff off of um oh Patton. no not Patton. Uh, writing a nuclear. Oh, bomb. Uh, Slim Pickens in in Doctor Strange Love. Yeah. 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 He's yeah. Yeah. It's a general. Uh, yeah. No, I know the character you're talking about. I'm forgetting his uh, name. Yeah, and Doctor Strange Love. Um, but um, it's just so like, like the military guy going crazy because he's got daddy issues. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. Like it's rough. General it's, Jack D. Ripper, that's his yeah, name. Sorry. Jack D. Ripper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how I forgot that. <laughs> but it's just so like um I, I so I feel like this movie <laughs> I didn't get that previously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean yeah, it's like it, it just feels like they're they're kind of dancing around a couple of themes a couple of motifs but they never quite settle on it and like we said we're making this movie sound much more tight and concise than it is so meandering this is two hours long it takes so long to get to this point they've got all kinds of weird nonsense about like some kind of mutant sea cow and like i don't know it, it just it is so meandering and it really takes so long to get to any kind of point and it's just like it has like they're they have inoffensive characters, and I think like how do you turn Robin Williams into an inoffensive character? Like what are you thinking? Yeah, and the whole plot is so, like, we've seen Robin Williams is such a phenomenal actor in so many things. Yeah, and to put him in this it just seems, ugh, it's like what are you doing? Like because you see the brilliance of a ninety two, um, because you can see the riffs, but yeah. they have again, it's like. I, putting him under a glass and just like telling him to minimize himself. Yeah. This was post Goodwill Hunting, right? No, No, pre. pre. Goodwill Hunting was 97. 
Yeah. So, the, oh, okay. but he gotcha. he I is decade wrong. He is off two Oscar nominations. He was nominated for um, Good Morning Vietnam and for Dead Poets Society. Like so. He is starting to be taken seriously as a like a real actor, like not to say he's a comedic actor isn't a real actor, but but this is Robin Williams doing his shtick. This is his thing. It's like a lot of rapid like character changing, a lot of improvising, a lot of kind of like observational, f- fast paced jokes, and it and feels tired by ninety two because now so we've seen what he can do. Hit. So much of it doesn't hit because it doesn't feel like he has a strong take on the character one way or the other you know it's just yeah. like he's kind of just he's kind of just filling the space and being charming but but the character that he's playing is just so off-putting and, to me and sometimes it's not even really charming it's just kind of there yeah um and it's on one hand it, him and the general obviously don't mesh but they never make like his jokes not landing about that. No, his joke they just fall flat and move on. And then it's not until way later that he starts to intentionally do stuff that right. does it. And that still is like okay. Uh, but it like there's so many things where if they just leaned a little bit more into if their intent was oh we're showing how much they don't get along. Yeah, to just a smidge more on that. To really drive it somewhere, it's really, as opposed yeah. to just kind of leaving it real vague and not really anywhere. It's really funny because, like, I feel like Adam Sandler could mm. get away with this role. Sure, uh, yeah. And a lot of Adam Sandler's movies have him playing this sort of like wacky character in a wacky situation. A man child um, who's quick to anger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they didn't make Robin Williams' character in this like that affected he's like i am a quirky um i'm a quirky guy yeah and then at the end he's still i'm a quirky guy but now i can run the company um i I think that's the big point uh that i've been trying to format or formulate in my head he never feels affected yeah like as things are happening even things that are things that he's his character says that he cares strongly about yeah delivery just doesn't quite feel it uh no he never seems notably concerned about the things that are happening and that that just all comes off as weird because then he's acting and he's like he starts a war without ever feeling that like conviction in that like up until he his four score or four store and whatever oh, that, that long obnoxious oh improvised the monologue to the toys which still yeah, no. felt a little less it just was flabby you know and yeah. i think i i think you're exactly right like it's it's hard to have a protagonist who is so passive mm-hmm. you know like where his defining character trait is that he's passive and that he's not like taking a very active and role that's, in his life. That's like, but when he does take charge it doesn't feel very yeah. it, you don't feel the stakes well, of it like the stakes is is he he wants to get laid so he tells this lady that he's gonna say something to her his uncle so that he's interested in, in knocking boots with her uh, <laughs> like that's the only motivation that he has to talk to his uncle um, and they don't even like that doesn't even play well because they don't like lean into it at all yeah. um, it, when I say lean into it you don't have to like jump over at it but like just like a little lean would have been nice in yeah. any of those things but yeah, he just kind of seems like a, a douche. 
yeah. often. Yeah. No, I, I just, I found him very off-putting. And then, you know, your your likable characters like the LL Cool J or Robin Wright are just, they feel adrift because they are playing basically, well, Robin Wright especially is playing a human being in this very cartoon world. And you just have to wonder, like, how did she end up here? Did she not have any other options? Why is she falling for this whole bit? Like, this would kind of make sense if maybe she was like a double agent or a, a Russian spy or, or something. Are you saying but... this should have been a crossover with Gotcha? I think it easily <laughs> should have been a Gotcha crossover. I think it would have fit in wonderfully. Let's have Anthony Edwards coming here with his paintball gun. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think J Van definitely hit the the point home of like they just. It wasn't, he didn't seem affected. Even, um, I don't remember her name, unfortunately. Gwen? Um, yeah. Yeah. Even Gwen didn't seem all that affected. It just didn't seem like they cared. Like, no. The only people who you cared could... in this movie was the general. Yeah. So to he's go back the most to sympathetic. succession. Yeah. These rich people's children would throw fits absolutely they'd, they'd throw fits they'd get like there'd be something they'd be more upset that their dad had changed the their his will they'd be like they created a whole dynamic in succession and in like other of this genre's movies of of like the the rich kids being immature yeah and this is so uh he's so feckless yeah that he's just there's no and like it takes so much to get affected literally it has to be children being trained to be murderers for him to give a fuck yeah yeah all right and i guess that's the other important thing to talk about with this game with this movie is that it has a very strong anti-video game bent Mm -hmm. which makes it all the more ironic that there is a video game that's the whole (laughs) reason we're here talking about this movie is because there is a video game adaptation Talk about misunderstanding. I mean, I, I don't think the movie understands itself, to be fair, but, like, I don't I, think the game understands the movie I, either. I think to be more specific, though, they were definitely more against war games yeah. than than games because they ha- they did games beforehand and everybody was fine with it. Okay, They yeah. did mention that they already have designers, they already have developers, they have a team that makes games. Yeah. Because at one point, somebody... The general, like, asks for a rundown when he's getting, like, the I own the company, or I'm running the company now, tell me what's going on. Yeah. Like, they even say that the games are selling well and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, But I I think it's just, it's so hilarious, though, how absolutely accurate all of that was. Because, like, the U.S. military actively makes and invests in video games for recruitment tools. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. That what was that game, the full spectrum warrior or whatever uh, that was that, meant to teach tactics. Yeah. Uh, technically it's so they had a series of games called America's Army. That oh that was too, yeah. Straight up developed by I think the either the Army or the Marines yeah. as a recruitment tool. And they have been exploring video games as recruitment since like two thousand four. Absolutely. Uh, at the latest. Um and then moving on to, you know, they also predicted drones. Yeah. Um, very <laughs> accurately, honestly. Like, and all the drones look like smaller, little biplanes. Yeah. Yeah. If we could just make a smaller plane and instead of having a person in it, we can control it remotely. Well, boom. Boom. Predator drone. <laughs> there like, you go. All this stuff so weirdly came true. And that brings us to the end of the movie where it was an all out 
balls to the walls battle for like 25 minutes and i gotta tell you my eyes just fell off the screen at all of this like i think i was folding laundry at that point <laughs> it's it's uh, if there's any like you know like we said we were complimenting the sets and like the production design and all of that kind of goes out the window during this last like 30 minutes or so because I do, it's just a lot of flashing lights and like little miniature yeah. tanks on the ground i disagree because i do think that they chose all of the traditional toys like these toys that are from the 50s okay and i really appreciated them choosing these really bizarre wind-up toys that they clearly invested heavily in creating them like yeah they, they'd like wind up a wind up peacock yeah um and like a football star and a bunch of these weird wind up toys that i'm just like man kids used to go crazy about these toys and now we're just all like mm. i would not give a shit yeah well, even when i was a kid around this time i'm like no give me a ninja turtle action figure yeah, like if it walks in yeah. a straight line and says things i really don't care because i do that yeah you do i've seen you do both yeah <laughs> at least one at a time i can yeah not at the same um, time you'll fall it's over a little rough fall over run into things <laughs> but uh yeah no i i think that that's definitely it was definitely an interesting thing for me to like watch that and go, oh, okay. And um, again, I have no attachment to any of these. All of these descriptions make this movie sound so much more propulsive and interesting than it is. <laughs> and it just absolutely is not. It's There's so seriously slow. just like an hour and a half of just dicking around in this movie. He's doing lots of bad visual gags like the smoking jacket or the light up jacket. Lots of jacket humor for whatever reason. It was a lot. I think he changed jackets four times. Yeah. And then we have that deeply uncomfortable sex scene where we have to let, watch Jamie Foxx listening to Robin Williams have sex with Robin Wright, even though there's zero chemistry between those two. He is. That was, I wanted to call Child Protective so Services on her. Thought, right? What? So they, the whole like framing of this is that the they, security team has put a toy with a security camera in it. Yeah, and that toy gets caught on a bra. The bra gets caught on it, then it catches oh, yeah. the bra onto something, and then it slingshots itself through the window and out the building. Did they stop? Oh, no. I don't but, think so. <laughs> did they even start? Because unless I'm mistaken, I don't even remember them kissing. I just remember Robin Wright taking off her bra. Well, that's step one every time. Yeah. For they, step they one, get nude. They were getting into bed together. They, yeah, but were, did, they, did we ever actually witness them Are you kiss? saying that they faked a sex scene? <laughs> I, I'm just saying Robin Williams This is some like some, lunar landing bullshit. He was making some very, some noises that made me very uncomfortable. So I will say it, that. Yeah, it definitely very quickly turned into, we're now just looking at Jamie Foxx and hearing these noises. And, the, and Jamie, Jamie Foxx is so cool. And he's into it. Like He, he they, is there for they it. They really want to be watching this. I'm if only like, for those damn slingshot bras. I'm just like, oh my God, this is the man who's going to come go ahead and make Collateral, which is one of my, like I think the Great top- Movie. Suspenseful movies of all time, and Ray, he's an and Oscar winner, yeah, Oscar yeah. winner, and it's just like, oh my god, this is so funny that he's in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I'm a little embarrassed for everybody here. Like, you could tell there's effort going into things behind the scenes, but there's just no clear con- direction you, going on here. Do you think this is a case that so happens with great directors is that when they get a blank check, they go crazy <laughs> absolutely this happens all the time i mean you know the uh, the blank check podcast is one of my very favorite things in the world and 
like they cover this all the time. People get too big for their britches and they make their passion projects and it turns out their passion is fucking weird <laughs> and or, incomprehensible. Or it turns out that the constraints that they have been working under have been actually important in their success. Yeah. Um, sometimes that's true. Yeah. Because they when they put when they're put in a box, they can make that box work. But when they're when they are out of the box, then they start to they don't have anybody to rein them in, or at least they're not listening to them to some degree. Yeah, and I mean, um, there's really nothing in Barry Levinson's filmography before or since this that kind of hints that he's got this movie in him, you know, or that he's he's been burning to tell this particular story this particular way. It feels kind of like trying to get in on Tim Burton's racket a little bit, but way less successfully. Um, it's it's just a really unpleasant mess of a movie. <laughs> That yeah, and again, it's so visually striking. You'd think there'd be like a cult following or some people defending. I don't see anybody defending. I don't see this anyone movie. defending it. And like even me, like I've been quite positive throughout this podcast. But no, this is not a good movie. Oh, it's so rough. Um, and it's so like, and I love the art, and I like, I quite like the actors, and it's just like, yeah, there are elements of charm. But unless you're an eight-year-old watching this, I don't think. Um, and you're playing toys while you're watching it. Like, I don't think that it's... Hopefully you're not playing toys while watching I, it because I, you will not be having a good time. I would. Th- I uh, think an eight-year-old would be bored as shit by I, this movie. I don't know. I just remember being charmed by it. Oh, did, did you the, see when you were eight? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah like around then. Okay. One right. of the best parts of the movie is the, the music video that they make. <laughs> This is a weird moment. They put up a screen, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol style, to distract some security guards. And the screen they put up is this really bizarre and overproduced, like, new wave synth music video between Robin Williams and Joan Cusack. Where they're, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, they're kind of doing a Talking Heads thing, a little bit of a re-rhythmix thing. That's exactly what I was, yeah. Like, but... Either way, it works like crazy because everyone knows toy sto- uh, toy factory security guards love MTV <laughs> and surrealist music videos, so it works like crazy. I I was like, as I was listening to it, I was like, oh, this is actually, this is fun. I like the videos, fu- like that whole section. Uh, if you just remove the movie from around it, I was like, this is actually kind of fun. It's unique. To there see are and listen to. There are moments. This movie has moments of charm that somehow add up to frustration rather than adequacy because they don't know when to cut it off like okay i would say i laughed a little bit at the part where michael gambon is saying that uh he's never been taken seriously as a general because of his damn british accent he was raised in britain and now he can't get rid of it i think i thought that was a funny way to call out the fact that his accent was not convincing at all (laughs) but they 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 kept that joke going for too long it was such a long joke and they beat it into the ground like i and i think that that comes a, a lot of the jokes just the delivery is so either it takes so long or it's just so non-impactful yeah like the the vomit scene or the Ugh. later on they they like x-ray the the meeting of washington men and they find that the guy has a pair of like medical scissors still inside of him yeah like these are all things that could be funny but they just did not have good delivery they so in my personal opinion, not only do they don't have 
good delivery they don't understand how to sit on a joke to make it funny absolutely so they do all these walk-in talks with robin williams but they don't actually focus on robin williams being able to deliver his funny lines no because they're doing 12 other things at the same time including having fantastic production design but the production design like you could watch robin williams stand up and you know that this man is a fucking genius yeah uh but like when they do this walk and talk with like all this amazing background pictures your your attention is not on robin williams yeah there's like that weird corridor with like the rising and falling hills that they're walking through and i'm just like i'm paying attention to the hills i'm not listening to what they're saying because i don't give a shit about the plot or the characters at all is this the first like comedic movie that the director had ever done i i think so i mean diner is a comedy but it's like a more grounded like kind of coming of age story okay and he's done comedy since he's done like uh, wag the dog which is a really that's really good it's a really biting satire like he made good movies after this did not make the movie uh also fun fact his son is sam levinson who's the creator of euphoria and the uh horribly critically panned new show the idol uh (laughs) so apparently that show is unwatchably bad but yeah sam levinson that's the that's the son of the director Uh, here one thing that i did notice was and i don't know if this was i don't know where they pulled the quote from Mm. but uh so in Evil Dead, there's a scene, or there's a, a saying that they use to close the book, and I had it pulled up here. Clatu Burata Nikto? Yes. That's and, from uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yes. Yeah. And they use that same quote in this movie near oh, the right. end mm-hmm. when the general's about to be eaten by his fucking sea platypus, whatever that thing is. It's called the, it was called the, uh, the sea, pig? sea swine. Sea, sea swine. That's it. Sea swine. Oh. Yeah. We never quite see it clearly. It's just some kind of thing floating in the water again reference to star wars yeah Uh, it feels like the thing that's in the trash compactor you're exactly right all right but let we should we should move on to the game here because there's there's so much to like dig into with this movie and it's it's uh oof it's fascinating to dissect i would say you know check it out if you're curious but uh feel free to tap out early check it out if you have chores to do there if you go if you you're having serious executive function issues that day yeah. just put it on and you'll be like whoa geez. every <laughs> once in a while look up and see a cool set piece and then look, uh, look back down because the plot is not interesting go somebody, the dishwasher they, this is yeah. definitely one of the worst movies I've seen in As a long who time somebody who suffers strongly from executive dysfunction same I did things while this movie was on <laughs> yeah so, I, 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 was, I, I was at no point did I put two and two together that that's why I was doing them yeah but I did things while this movie was going on. I mean, I will say this for the game. The game is at least a little more interactive, so it's harder to uh, uh, schedule out my calendar while I'm watching it. But let's talk about this game. The game is called Toys Let the Wars Begin. And this was released in April 1993, so four months after this movie came out. It's developed by Imagineering, published by Absolute Entertainment. This was released on both Super NES and Genesis. And again, it needs to be reiterated, a major plot point of the movie is how video games are evil and will turn you bad and is ruining traditional toys. And here we have a video game about the wars that you commit against other characters. So it's pretty close to the plot of the movie, uh, at least like it's got very lengthy cutscenes. There's weirdly a lot of reading in this game uh, for a lot of plot that is not interesting to care about at all. But you play as a Leslie character... It's an isometric game, which means it's played at kind of like an angle, uh, which makes controls a little bit confusing and aiming very confusing. 
and you just walk around the factory floor blasting a bunch of military toys with various uh, quirky weapons. And it was taking us a really long time to figure out what you actually need to do in this game. All right. Yeah, so the, luckily, I showed up after yes. they had already figured out what needed to be done, and then I cracked the code on how the fuck to do it. Yes, because that both of it was those definitely processes a team effort were it was. tedious. I'm I'm a little proud that we made the progress that we did. All right, the goal of this game is to take out these security cameras on the floor. That's basically your whole goal. They look like little elephants, and you need to take them out. They're guarded by three tank guns, like tank toys, that are constantly shooting you. There's no way to hit them without them hitting you. They, they're like in a. They're arranged around the camera, and they just hang out. And, and they're you. invincible until you shoot all these military trucks. That's what we need to figure out. Okay, so or, you need to clear out all the different jeeps that are kind of floating around around the security area. That will lure the tanks out. Then you need to take them out and then fight. The camera, which you were the only one to successfully beat a camera, Justin. Yes. Um, I also discovered that the other camera, the other, there's only like, I think, two cameras that we found. The other camera had helicopters around it that also needed to be destroyed. Right. But the frustrating thing is you have to navigate the world in order to, you have to navigate the factory floor in order to find weapons and stuff to do things with. And none of them are straightforward. You you have the, the peanut gun which shoots forward but this is isometric which means you're looking kind of from the top down at a bit of an angle uh the peanut gun does not fire in a straight line no it fires in a curve down to the floor so it knows that everything's on the floor so it doesn't hit them until it hits the actual floor the problem is that it hits the floor at the edge of your vision so you can't shoot anything without predicting where it's going to be that's how i cracked the code was i was like yeah. okay the the trucks move in relatively straight lines across the map left to right so if i just shoot at the same spot that they were the last time they came through i'll eventually hit them and then the peanut gun does like zero damage you have to spam it i um, i do have to say that regardless of my opinion about this game and i think i've mentioned this before i do respect a challenging game and this game is challenging it's challenging and to to your skill set this game did is, does not make you jump once no it does yeah. not make not me have jump. To jump over i did anything. not jump once i think the it's really a one button game honestly yeah. you just spam the a button oh, and, you and can, then the the, the you bumper can switch your weapons, weapons with the triggers but yeah that's um, yeah and the the other bump the other weapons do interesting things like uh a top that does circles that get bigger car uh, road control cars or powered cars that do figure eights but it keeps doing a bigger figure eight every time until it blows up there's a good variety the, of weapons the I'll downside give it that. is that you can't see most of what's happening if you throw yeah. out the car the smallest figure eight is already outside of what you can see and so it starts to make things really difficult to plan things out uh i think that if they either needed more straightforward weapon designs or they needed to just show you more at a time so you could actually make use of them. Yeah. Because there are also these bombs that are just all over the place <laughs> that when you get close enough, they follow you around, run into you, and yeah. they blow up on you and do even more damage. And so I think that's honestly the biggest flaw. If it was just pulled back a little bit more, you could see a little bit more all around you. Yeah. Then, or at least left to right, it being... And I think, was this 4-3? 
aspect ratio. Yeah, yeah, it was oh. on so on the emulator we were using. Still, yeah, still mostly squareish, but and if, I, I if will... you could see a little better, you could make use of the interesting weapon designs that they have made. Totally, I I give it credit for like I like that you can do damage to characters that are off the screen. That is almost exactly how I beat the tanks. It's too. kind of a saving grace of this game that you can do that because. It's one of those games where it's impossible to hit the character without you also taking damage because you need to be facing them directly. So the only way to kind of spam that is to have them be slightly off screen and just like chuck a bunch of bowling balls. Yeah, because again, you can't see very far and the vast majority of your weapon's effective range is like right at the edge of what you can see. Yeah. And so you're either spamming it as soon as they come into vision, which by that point they can hit you because they're shooting at you. They're not just running into you. They do both. And it's weirdly like this game is able to take the visual style of the movie, but make it significantly more boring. Yes, definitely. Because we, like there, this is clearly designed after the movie. Your character kind of looks like Robin Williams. Yeah. Like the factory has elements from the movie that you can see, but most of the time you're just walking around a blue tiled floor. And the two, <coughs> it's like it has a level layout. Um, it's not just like a big rectangular factory floor, except you really can't see anything around you to know where you're at on the floor. Yeah. And so me, I'm directionally challenged. So that was difficult for me. <laughs> That's JB where I showed. Giving me directions yeah. the whole time. Yes. Like, I have an oh, you need to go right sense and of then direction. Up, and then I'm like, I, can, I haven't seen a wall. Even in video games, I have an excellent sense of direction. Yeah. Like this, yeah. It, it basically has like a gatey, wally, uh, you're kind of like walking through hallways and move navigating around, but yeah. it's just a really wide hallway. But you rarely see the hallway because it's so wide and you see so little. Yeah. That you're, uh, yeah, I was like, all right, J-Ban, I finished this one. Where's the other one? How do I get there? <laughs> I've never even seen it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all very similar looking. It's all very samey. But I did appreciate that there's a variety of weapons and that you get them early on. You so you have the peanut gun, which you you were calling Justin the worst weapon you've played in a video game before. It was the worst weapon I've ever used in a video game uh, until I realized exactly what I needed to do to defeat everything. And yeah, that one had infinite ammo, which so, is a bonus. Uh, it came in handy because when you hit something, it freezes it in place so you can just spam and keep hitting it yeah and so the fact that it does literally no damage i say literally it, it's the weakest weapon in the game yeah and also the most annoying one to use i was just walking south lining up where it was hitting with the trucks as they come by and then just spamming it to kill the trucks i think um also uh, you guys know that i love a good soundtrack for a video game and i do not believe that this one had a good soundtrack. It was, it was like it four have, notes repeating in a it loop. It did, and like the when you actually hit and injured and killed a tank, it made a little cute noise. Uh, and I do like a, a cute noise uh, of when something dies. Especially it's like because a, they're it's dying like off screen, so you can't see what's happening. Yeah, it's a nice little chime, you know, but like even though like I, I took some pride in the fact that we were able to kind of workshop and figure out how to beat this level. We never actually beat the level and I didn't really feel compelled to see what was coming next. I, Cause I had a feeling it's probably just more walking around a bunch of blue tiles and throwing toys at toys. I wonder exactly how limited they were by the capabilities of the console and the cartridge. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I will say, yeah, I said the, the, the animation on your character actually looks pretty smooth. Like sometimes you look more like Woody Harrelson than Robin Williams, but you're there. Was it, I'm trying to remember, was it, cause this, was this in any, NES? this is, NES? uh, this was on super NES and Genesis. Yeah. We played the super NES version, um, but they're basically identical. 
between the SNES and the Nintendo 64, one of them had a lot of additional things you could do with the cartridge, like secondary processors and stuff. Yeah, was it was N64. Okay. Yeah, N64 had a lot of that. So the, the SNES didn't, so they were just stuck with whatever they had. Yeah. But I feel like there were games from this era, because, like, wasn't the first Zelda... Uh, that was the NES. Yeah, that was yeah, before this. Like yeah, the, that was five years before this. For something like this, it, the, the, it literally just needed like three things and one or two of them probably would have made it better. Well, one, pull back a little bit. Two, a little bit more soundtrack variety. Um, or three, a little bit more of like background variety. Which yeah. Because well, you were singing just a little bit around you could have also been helped by just pulling back a little bit yeah and the first level was i think a little bit too hard because i don't know if you knew this but there were six cameras there was six cameras you six, six times what you have four health and like you have to go around and do it six times i had no idea you have there four were that health many. in four lives and yeah. when, you, when you lose a life you have to start back with everything respawned that's so obnoxious that's and i i didn't see any way to recover health no, I don't um, think so. Unless that's what that big elephant logo was, you could replenish your ammo by finding little Santa bags around yeah. the place. But I mean, overall, I I'm think I preferred this game to the movie. Like I got a little bit more satisfaction out of it, and I wasn't as actively, repellently bored by it. <laughs> but this is a mess of a game. Uh, it's just not compelling enough to make me wonder what comes next. You know, like because best case scenario you beat this level you have to keep watching the plot of the movie toys <laughs> like that's that's your reward for doing well at this game so what's your incentive here yeah i don't know i i just uh i found it very obnoxious but it is a better property than the actual movie i think both of them do deserve to be kind of forgotten <laughs> the way that they have i been. think it so if we're, There's are we, four levels in this game. Jesus Christ. If too we, many. Uh, if we move to the rating. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I have to have some caveats because I think this is objectively a bad movie. But I hate saying bad movie to something when people clearly tried really hard. It, it hurts my soul. At least hey, one man, person I tried really hard. I wish you were my high school art teacher. <laughs> <laughs> They would have gone a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I I get where you're coming from. Like, for at least one person on this crew, it was a passion project. They were they were given unlimited resources to make whatever weird shit they wanted. Else showed up, but I would nobody love else. To see. No, there was no cohesion. You know? I feel like someone could do a really good supercut of this movie. Yeah, I think you could reduce like this to a 15-minute really good movie. Yeah. I, I think editing could have really improved the movie. Yeah. Um, but I think to a degree, it just wasn't the best performances of Robin Williams, for sure. No. Um, and then, um, forgive me for forgetting her name. Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack. Yeah. Um, I feel like both of them, I don't know if they were just off or didn't get... I don't enough i don't blame do them the that is no, not their no those people are this is, exceptional this is the like, director these, yeah yeah we, we know the what they've done we it's, know what they yeah. can do it's 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 a wacky project to to happen yeah i i i think it's yeah you're you're exactly right i think it's a combination of the directing and the writing because the script doesn't really know what it's trying to say and the direction does really not jive with the look. Mm -hmm. You know, the, like there's a very distinctive look about this that requires a much more well, whimsical tone. I would say the only thing that is sort of 
a miscast is I don't think Robin Williams is very good as a man child. That whenever he yeah. plays a man child in his mili- when it, in his filmography, it kind of suffers. It, he needs to play it a little bit of like a sleazy guy. Like he can nail the sleazy guys. He's good um, sleazy. I mean, I would say Mrs. Doubtfire is kind of the energy he needed to bring to this yeah. where he is a little immature. He doesn't take things very seriously, but he is still an adult. <laughs> yeah. Like I recognize him as an adult man. Uh, I do want to point out, because I was thinking that there's a lot of scenes in this movie that could have just not happened. But there was one scene where LL Cool J's character basically just found out that his dad might be a war criminal. Well, because they're playing games and the UN are there. And he just started, like, in the game, if yeah. you kill a UN truck, you lose points. He just goes on a UN murdering rampage. It's like playing While, House of the Dead and just killing all the survivors. All, yeah. The whole time mumbling under his breath negative things about the United Nations. And we're not, yeah. We haven't talked about one of the strangest moments in that, including the father-son of LL Cool J, that oh. they shared a sex worker. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and this, it's an average thing guys do with their dads. And, Don't and worry about it. Again, it's it's one of those things of where like this is where the movie starts to earn the PG thirteen rating of like uh, sharing a sex worker and then going, "Did you do my dad?" Creepy. It's it's so creepy. Many, so many weird things and like that's this. She then tells LL Cool J's character, "Oh, by the way, your dad's a dirtbag. Got your mom killed. Oops, sorry." Yeah. He, yeah, she didn't die of appendicitis out. like they've been telling you all this time. It is it is just a mess from top to bottom. Uh, Such a weird movie. So bizarre. Like, I've, again, like there are definitely moments where it shines, and there's a lot of moments that didn't need to be there. Not at all. And honestly, if you just cut together the moments that shined, it wouldn't be a movie, but it would still be okay. Yeah. Uh, and so, so definitely if they would have filled the other hour and a half or more of this movie with something else. Uh, back to my rating. Yeah, oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, back to the game. Uh, so, bad movie uh, with those caveats. Yeah. Uh, and I would say bad game. Um, I think, like, I wouldn't be mad if I, like, if I was a child and I, I was playing it. I, I don't think I'd be filled with rage, but I'd be disappointed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I you, you always know that like we there's at least children. one there's at least one family that's gonna be like this is their only game you yeah. know and they're gonna play the hell out of it like uh, I would feel very sad for them yeah this oh. is also my first bad movie bad game this is uh this is the lowest of the low that we've uh, had on this show so far because I mean th- this movie is just kind of unsalvageable the game is making an effort i guess but it's it's been given an impossible task i think and it it, uh, does not work and it's not very fun look i grew up in a household with only a couple of games i played the sega genesis lion king game so much i would have been furious at this game (laughs) i would have hated it so much yeah just because of how goddamn annoying everything is but how close it could be to not being a terrible game yeah Um, but ultimately i have to say i wouldn't say a terrible game i'd say a bad game uh definitely like a frustratingly bad game because similar to the movie there were things that you're like oh okay this is cool like the different weapons and stuff but it just doesn't come together in a cohesive way yeah and movie same thing bad movie i think that there could have been a good movie out of this yeah but uh 
a lot of things would have had to have changed. And yeah. so I don't think it would have happened. Total mess. Uh, real, real uh, fascinating disaster, but definitely one of the more unpleasant movie experiences I've had in a while. Um, but that's going to change next week. Well, first of all, I'm going to say uh, uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Feel free to reach out to us uh, at cinemarcadepodcast at gmail.com. And thank you, everybody, who's given us such wonderful feedback so far. Uh, please feel free to jump into uh, your uh, podcatcher and give us a five-star rating and review. That really goes a long, long way for new shows like us. Uh, next week, we're doing a J-Band's Choice, uh, and uh, you've you've pulled out something that I'm really excited to talk about. I have, and so uh, this is going to be, like, I, I'm not, I promise I'm not always going to pick classics, <laughs> uh, but it is summertime here in Texas. It's about 107 yeah. degrees. God, fuck uh, this state. So... Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Everything about it. It's nonsense. Usually, the, it doesn't get to 107 until late July. Um, Global warming. Uh, but I've decided decided to select jaws jaws not to beat the heat but because we all wish we were getting killed by a large shark right now yes <laughs> we all wish we were in the atlantic northeast <laughs> yes absolutely i'm excited jaws is which a... one's the atlantic again that's the one on the right oh yeah there you go right. okay gotcha. i just remembered pacific northwest and i was like oh wait that's the one on the left oh see yeah i i've, I've only i've almost exclusively Look, lived i'm on... 28 i've never seen an ocean i don't fucking know you've never seen things. an ocean oh no. man all right you we... you, have you not even gone to galveston no I've, i haven't seen the gulf that's i haven't seen gulf. an ocean yeah. i've seen lake michigan all right pretty. yeah no lake michigan's pretty big yeah. uh no i'm excited jaws is a top five movie for me it's one of my very favorites and uh the nes game based on jaws is interesting we're gonna have a good time with that now, one y'all will be absolutely surprised to hear I haven't really seen Jaws. Oh, <laughs> my friend, you are in This for... is another first for me. I know I've seen, again, similar to a few movies, I've seen bits of it, but never anything cohesive. It's a damn near um, perfect movie. I have yeah. seen Sharknado. That's equally good in every <laughs> single way. It's the equal of Spielberg's 1975 film. Uh, so I'm excited. We're, we're going to dig into that next week. Next week, come back for Jaws, uh, the movie and then the NES game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Until then, keep them sprockets wound up and keep them sea swines appeased. And we will see you next time. Blast, blast. Blast, blast.